Hey, how are you done? This is good. Relax on my couch and enjoy this yes. wonderful conversation with you. <laughs> Sounds good. Ari Moshe Wolf, how are you? Great. Glad to be spending this time with you. So we're talking to Ari Moshe Wolf, musician and astrologer. We met, was it about three years ago? I feel like. Two? Two or three years ago. Two or three. I don't know. Time flies. Yeah. Nothing short of a Dustin and Divine meeting, though. So wonderful. I feel like crossing paths with you has been really powerful for me. And it's been a really sweet teaching journey. When I met you, shortly after you started to uh, build your van. Okay, yeah. Two years ago. And that was that was a new journey for you. What what was that like for you, and why were you so called at that time to live in a van? I was in China, um, I guess, a few months before I met you. Um, I lived at Temple for a short time, and my teacher there, before I left, said, "You get home, you get a home. Stop moving." Something <laughs> like that. Okay. And and I remember that my response was like, "But where?" And why would I go anywhere? There was like this feeling of ambivalence and emptiness and depression and um, mm. like what's the pointness around it? Not the idea of having a home, but the idea of choosing a city to live in and being somewhere. It's like energetically I felt that I couldn't just arbitrarily choose. And the truth is, I think it's just because my path has been what it's meant to be and I knew that it wasn't about picking a city and settling there Mm -hmm. Um, but I I felt the truth in this idea of needing to you know give myself more I had a dream where my guides told me um, you need to give yourself more and when I woke up I thought um, you know give yourself like giving of yourself give yourself more and then um, it dawned on me later in that day that no, no, give yourself, give to yourself more. And uh-huh. I actually think that the wording of that is is beautiful because both are true, and they're they're true at the mm-hmm. same time. And, um, so I just intuitively knew after several years of being on this personal journey of letting go of my office, my apartment, the life that I was settled in in Olympia, Washington. Since around 2015, I um, followed my dreams and followed my guidance, which was very much about music um, and very much about what I still have not yet come to fully grasp. My life and the directions that I've taken and the phases that I've gone through have been profound and nothing I could have predicted to the point where right now I'm living with my family in Sonoma, California. And I definitely did not anticipate that. So getting a van was the next step for me on this journey of discovering and learning that freedom is compatible with wellness and belonging 
and inclusion and health. And so a part of me not having a home base at that time in my life, like an actual physical location, not to think too much about it, it was just it wasn't true for me. I did that already. And I know that I needed to have a certain freedom so I didn't have to earn a lot of money so I can follow Spirit's Calling. And um, much of this was about developing my voice, developing my music, and working on my album, which eventually I did complete. Um, but then getting a van was this new phase of defining what does it really look like to claim my freedom, but also to really honor the sovereignty that I have to actually creatively think about how can I make this life work really well? And I guess a part of that is just not having any predefined or pre-existing belief about what I'm supposed to be doing, what it's supposed to look like. And having the gift of astrology and intuitive insight, my work has always been mostly remote, mostly over the internet or on the phone. So I researched, you know, how can I do sessions while I'm in my van? I mean, I bought mm-hmm. a, a wi- um, you know, a little mobile Wi-Fi extender type device. And I just went for it. I just started, um, you know, eventually I bought a van that was empty and I built it out. And you were kind of there with me throughout that whole process because I would maybe pass through Portland every once in a while. And mm-hmm. you would see me at different stages of development. We've sung many songs together in my van from the beginning mm-hmm. when it was just this big metal box. Yeah. <laughs> it took me a whole year and I didn't anticipated at the time you know it's sort of like how the caterpillar needs to follow its destiny and it's impelled to do so but it might not intellectually have a conception of where it's going or what it's going to actually entail in a way i think in our own evolution we're impelled to just do what we need to do and we're lucky if we don't know what it's going to entail because (laughs) we probably would kick and scream um, and put up a lot of resistance because it, it does always, like when we enter into new phases of empowerment and growth and experience, it's almost inevitable that we're going to face the very areas within ourselves that we've believed ourselves to be powerless, that we believed ourselves to not have what it takes to grow and to embody our, ourself in a healthy and a clear and a conscious way. Um, we all have those places where more or less some areas feel really real and really solid. And um, whenever I found in my own life that I've moved myself in a radically different direction, it's always opened the doors to a whole new set of challenges and growth edges. So it took me a good solid 10 months to build my band. I lived in my band while I was building it. And with the support of my, my West coast friends and community, um, many people who are like family to me, I would often stay um, in different locations for a few weeks or a month or two at a time to work on my van. Uh, angels showed up in my life. And it's, of course, the way spirit moves in ways that I couldn't have planned or predicted. In fact, it's like the things, and this is a, a, a teaching in my life in general that I'm just always humbled by. The things that I've tried to make happen you know, hours researching, hours looking things up, um, you know, <laughs> generally don't go anywhere. But the things that worked really well tend to have been the things that showed up 
on their own. And mm-hmm. it's just, there's a teaching that I, that I come back to all the time that my friend Adam shared with me, which is less is more, nothing is everything. <laughs> and I feel like the van got built with nothing. Um, yeah. The, yeah. The help and the resources, everything that came into my life, um, all of it just sort of emerged from the state of being where I wasn't stressing or looking or trying to figure out how to do everything. And when I mm-hmm. did, you know, there's this one example where I probably spent a month insulating my van and I, I just did it all wrong. And the insulation was falling down because I was like insistent on not using anything toxic. And I, I was using wool to insulate. So I was like trying to keep the wool up with string. And then after a month, it just completely collapsed. And I just got humble and I realized um, I was rushing. I had too many fixed ideas about what I needed this to look like and how it needed to happen. And whenever I let go, you know, someone on the street would come by and offer a suggestion or help me out for a couple days. And the resources just kept on showing up. And that's just a learning in my own life that um, the, the reality of limitations, they're not an original state. They're not... Um, sort of innate to the creation of reality it it's not innate and destined that there are these strong limitations to our life these limitations are actually just the very places where there's this gentle possibility of opening into a different mindset into a different possibility and this is not to be taken that if there are limitations in our life or areas that we feel stuck that we're thinking wrong or we're doing something wrong not at all but there's this principle that I come back to all the time that is alive now in my life more than it's ever been, um, which is really considering that love's reality, God's reality is wholeness, is wellness, is peace, is inclusion. And that all that is meant to be is, and that all that is meant to be resonates with wellness, with harmony, with peace. And that's a point of faith that I hold in my heart. And then to see in my own life or in lives of others where there is struggle, not to hold that as, again, as a point of shame or blame, but to get curious about that. It's like, well, this struggle isn't the true nature It's not my true nature. It's not the true nature of reality. It's not what God created. And I think that's a really important piece because either we believe that struggle and suffering is a part of the plan or we believe in truth. Mm -hmm. And the two Mm -hmm. cannot coexist. And I think there's this really mm. powerful path of inquiry that opens up when we realize, wait, this that I'm experiencing could not possibly be real. This could not possibly be a part of my program. So mm. yeah. my van process wasn't like as miraculous. I mean, it was actually, but I, I feel <laughs> like it just sort of touches upon a greater truth. Um, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like 
the freedom, the sort of duality of freedom and openness and flow actually creating more stability um, and more happiness. People had all these ideas and people always have ideas. And in fact, it's another example where like my life and where it's gone has had nothing to do with people's ideas of where it should go or their opinions or like well-intended suggestions. But for years, you know, what I've heard is you need to stabilize, you need to get a home, you need to find a partner and have a family and just like relax. And I've gotten it because mm-hmm. I've been a seeker in many, many ways and that my life energies have also been at times very scattered. And that's been a point of suffering on my own journey for many years of feeling like I don't know where home is and not feeling mm-hmm. a sense of belonging anywhere and thus not really wanting to um, to settle anywhere beyond temporarily as a really wonderful guest that everyone loves to have, but to actually be there, to make it my home. But what I've come to learn, what I've come to appreciate is we can't, we can't fake anything. We can't push ourselves to be where we're not. And that the truth mm-hmm. of my belonging, the truth of being at home has to resonate with the freedom to walk my path. Because if I'm at home and I'm well, and that's my path, then that is where I'm free. And this whole notion that we have in our mm-hmm. life where it's like this duality, and I really think that this, this place, this duality between like, maybe you call it stability and safety versus freedom. Mm-hmm. There is for all of us, I think, somewhere in our own life where it feels like there's some sort of irreconcilable tension between the two. But I actually think that that place of tension is where there's immense wisdom. It's where there's healing. It's like that place where the mind cannot resolve the dualities. So actually being at home now, to skip forward, you know, I got the van, built it out, took about 10 months. Um, then I visited my friend. We got pregnant. Nine months later, we move into a home. And I'm doing this whole family thing right now. I still have my van. But, you know, since October... A couple months before we gave birth, my life has radically changed. I literally feel like Mm -hmm. I'm living a different lifetime. And what this has given me is a space where, okay, I'm choosing to do this. You know, and it was a struggle for me. There was a lot of fear in Mm, letting go of the freedom that I perceived I needed. And the challenge here has been no freedom find out what real freedom is in a way where you don't need to isolate or control your circumstance or control the environment or where you don't have to control condition in order to affirm your freedom, a freedom that doesn't say I'm free as long as fill in the blank and the Mm, mastery that this is affording the, the, the powerful lessons that I am learning and I'm grateful to learn right now is, Awakening to uh, freedom that's innate to my being, but to awaken to that, it means I have to look at all the places of resistance where I've otherwise believed strongly I can't belong here. I can't be myself here. And this, you know, for me, it's I can't really be myself in relationship. I can't be loved for who I am. I can't be responsible for family and also have the freedom to follow the path that arises and calls me 
all these constructs in my mind where that is very much that that place of tension where I find if I soften into it and I don't take any of it as a sign to become defensive and protective and to live in a distrustful way, but I embrace all of it mm. as an opportunity to return to the truth, even if I don't yet see how it's all going to unravel. But the truth mm-hmm. being this underlying wellness and perfection that is not just my wellness. It's not just my health and my belonging, but it's everyone's wellness, everyone's belonging. So there's, there's something so, so essential to my personal journey with home. You know, so when I began building this van, I had no clue where it would take me. And the lessons that I learned wasn't just like the whole like letting go and allowing. I learned skill. It wasn't like I did nothing and someone mm-hmm. came. I had to figure out how to build. I spent a month just working on the plumbing. But the, the <laughs> quality of that month was empowering. It was different than, than like when I began with the insulation. It was just sort of rushed. I wanted to get it done in my way. When I, be, yeah. when I got to the plumbing, which was like probably eight months later, um, I felt humbled. I knew that I didn't know anything. And I felt excited <laughs> about what I was about to learn. And wow, learning how to hook up, I mean, everything about it. I figured out what kind of, you know, water container. I found a stainless steel tank. So I didn't have to keep my water in plastic. And I, you know, figured out mm-hmm. how to you know, hook it up to a sink. I looked for sinks. It took a lot of time. Um, but the whole process um, gradually became more and more special because everything that I did became progressively about me clarifying and defining how I would choose to live and love and enjoy my life as a sovereign being. And the more I moved into that mm. state of mind, the more the perceived limitations didn't seem to, to affect me. Like other limitations could have been like, oh, I don't know anything about electricity and I have to find someone to help me. You know, things like that. It shifted into, I am so curious to learn about AC, DC. What's the difference? How do you do it? <laughs> you know, and that whole process yeah. is something that I'm now carrying with me. And I have knowledge and also deeper than the knowledge, which is still very small, but deeper than it is a feeling of empowerment that when things break, it's a very Virgo type of empowerment, Virgo slash Taurus. When things break, when there's like something to troubleshoot, I feel excited. I don't know what the answer is going to be, but I've come to learn that I have what it takes to think about it and to connect with an underlying vision of empowerment and wellness and beauty. I think when we are moving through life and we don't have a connection to how we would choose to live, how we would choose to experience ourselves, how we would choose to embody with our sovereignty, this potential for wellness and joy and celebration and togetherness, then indeed challenges feel very heavy because that reference point isn't solid but with a solid reference point we can Mm -hmm. come back to that and for me it's faith it's like I have a deep faith in the ultimate nature of reality and what's really true and I want to know that 
I want to live that. I want to awaken to that and I want to share that. And so these challenges are always these invitations for me to come back to that. So the whole van building process was empowering, taught me a lot about, um, you know, sort of creators co-participation with me and that emptiness is like the best way to cooperate. And it was just a couple mm. months after I finished, I was like living in it, but you know, I think it's like a couple months. The last thing I did was electricity. Um, and it was like yeah. full on done. Um, and working on my music in Santa Cruz, you know, my album, um, that my life took a mm -hmm. radical, radical turn. And the yeah. humbling piece there is this ongoing lesson for me in non-possessiveness. Because if I want to find freedom, if I want to mm -hmm. find home, I actually can't possess any idea of what that has to look like. And I think life, God, mm -hmm. creator knows wow. our path better than we do. Like, source knows the path mm -hmm. that is best for us and that is best for everyone because there's actually only one path. And the more we feel that we have to control it, thus the more we feel like there's a sense of needing to make the right choices, I'm finding just sort of makes it a little more difficult. So maybe I'll stop right there. I've spoken a lot and I'll see where you want to take this. <laughs> mm, I have like, I have like chills listening to you talk about it though, because I can relate so deeply right now with my own uh, struggles with what home is and how to how to get there yeah I mean it's beautiful to hear how I mean the van was just so much more than a van <laughs> I could sense that even when you were making decisions on right. buying the van I could tell this was going to be something bigger than just buying a van and it definitely offered that and while also offering you shelter <laughs> at the same time <laughs> and many other lessons it sounds like so it's beautiful to hear about and yeah, and as you mentioned a couple times, you also within that time were working on your album the whole time. And when I met you, you had already been working on the album. Um, it was something that you spanned out for a little while. And then you decided at some point once you had the van and you had the means to stay in Santa Cruz for an extended time, you you got a lot more serious and were really dedicated right, yeah. to completing the it. Yeah. For the music was again, one of those things where I started in 2016, um, following my dreams, mm -hmm. where to go and where to be and who to work with. Um, and I had all these attachments mm -hmm. to completing it then, especially because I dreamt about it and it felt like this whole like, spiritual calling. And then when I realized that I didn't feel competent, I didn't feel strong in my voice, I didn't feel ready. I didn't really mm -hmm. feel like I had a sense of command with my music. Um, when I got honest with mm -hmm. that, it was actually hard at first because my whole inner dialogue was, well, I'm, I'm screwing up this divine opportunity that I was given. Like here I'm being guided and I'm choosing to walk away from it. But the lesson that I learned again is when we introduce personal agenda, which includes our personal timeline, um, we do in mm -hmm. fact impede the flow of creativity. And for me to realize, mm -hmm. well, maybe everything's where it needs to be. 
and the timing is just perfect and I don't have to complete it now. And um, mm-hmm. the day that I decided to stop recording in the spring of 2016, once I made that decision, this profound lightness passed through me. And and you know what this mm-hmm. is like when we make a choice and we feel like there's something that's dropped away and, and we realize, oh, I was carrying this heaviness with me and this is actually where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. And so in that moment, the following mm-hmm. song, I'll sing it, came through. This song has actually and then ended up making it to the album that I completed eventually. I am here to live a joyful life. To love with all my heart and sing with all my might. I am here to live a joyful life, to love with all my heart and sing with all my might. To choose, to choose and move on. Create, create and let go. To choose, to choose and move on, create, create and let go. And you know what's interesting? I went to Hawaii and scenes that Mm. I dreamt of came to pass while I was in Hawaii. The thing that happened, so I, I went to Kauai and then worked with someone on the big island and then on the big island. I wrote in my journal, I really want to live somewhere where we can sing and not wear clothing and share food and be by the ocean. My dear friend said, hey, Ari Moshe, I'm living in Maui <laughs> in this community. They would love you. Come. So I went to Maui. <laughs> I felt deep sense of connection, soul family. Okay, spent just a month there. Then I went back to the mainland, did some things. I don't even know what. Um, this is all pre-van. <laughs> in 2017, I had three yeah. dreams in one night showing me back in that particular community in Maui. So it's when I went back to Maui that one time, the second time that these dreams that I had Mm -hmm. years ago, in some cases came to pass. And, you know, in one dream, this musician friend who at that time I never met when I had that dream is with me. And she's seeing me play music. And she says in the dream, actually, I want to sing with you on your album. So I'm in Maui the second time mm-hmm. in this community. And my now dear friend, Alexa Sunshine Rose, is there. I meet her for the first time there. And um, I'm playing music. And after I play music, she walks up and says, Ari Moshe, I had a vision while you were playing music that I'm going to help you with your album. And I'm going to sing with you on your album. And mm-hmm. I dreamt that. And it, these little things right there, because... You know, at first, leaving to Hawaii in the first place felt scary because to stop the album felt like I was failing and missing this opportunity. But then going to Hawaii, you know, led me mm. to this community that I then returned to the next year where I met Alexa, who I dreamt about, who ended up singing, in fact, with me on my album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we did a little tour. And yeah. you went on tour with her, right? And so the the perfection of it it's like the the thread of unity and just when we think we're walking away from something all the pieces that were meant to be came together in the place that i least expected it like when i had that dream i didn't know that alexa was 
in Hawaii with me. So there's something yeah. profoundly intelligent about life. And I really am coming to understand that it has its own movement. It's leading the way. And that when we act with emptiness, without mm-hmm. um, extra things attached, un- unprocessed agendas, um, mm-hmm. you know, things that are just sort of like carrying with us, it allows for what's meant to be to be. And it's a purification process. I feel like it's sort of an inevitable phase that we all have to go through where there is this reality to not knowing how we're going to get there or where there is, but knowing that it's going to be peace and the conditions around it, the circumstances, the relationships, the forms, the places we'll move, the things we'll let go of. We don't know, but there's a faith in the ultimate Mm -hmm. destination being this unconditional state of being that is our birth rate that is our true being and to walk closely with creator to walk this life as if we are also on heaven so like that faith there's this this Mm -hmm. phase that we go through of needing to surrender the unknown and in, in a way that purifies us it purifies all these tendencies that we have to contract and to become defensive and to try to control. Yeah. So there's a big letting go that has to happen there to, to not have that desire to control and strategize and plan and try to figure it all out and make sense of it all. Just trust in the universe and, stay open so things can unfold as they're meant to. Yeah. You know, easier said than done, I guess, but it's true. And trusting, trusting in the universe never ever is meant to be a disempowering stance. And I think that's an important thing. It's not about, well, I'm suffering, but I trust that things will get better. That's not actually trust. Like it's, it's an, it's an active right. Yeah, it's not about um, like giving up. inquiry into the present moment, into the truth. We have to bring our mind into a into a clear yeah. state of thinking. Um, without that, there is no real healing. Which also means like accepting everything as it is in a way, right? Like even if if where you're at in that moment is full of grief or sadness and like knowing that those things are okay too and part of yeah everything yeah 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 we can't we can't spiritually sidestep any of this stuff Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i would say 2019 was probably the hardest year of my life and there's this you know period where i yeah you know perceived loss i was losing my life as i knew it so to like simultaneously have faith right. and to be present and authentic with the grieving, that was a big part of my journey. And there's no way to rush that. And we can't rush those things. Do you want to speak some to what that transition to fatherhood has been like for you? The core um, healing for me has been being able to take full responsibility for my own thoughts which includes what I might be projecting onto my environment or my situation or the future or my partner, right? It's to actually take full responsibility Mm. for the vibration that I'm carrying and that, you know, 
the egoic tendency is to feel justified in our distrust and defensiveness and our fear because life will prove to us that we have a reason to distrust Mm -hmm. that we have a reason to fear and living in that way sort of always putting life circumstance uh before us and that our emotions are determined by what does or doesn't happen so the big healing piece that that i think for me started to make the biggest change was taking full responsibility for what i'm holding on the inside and then to realize okay i'm carrying a core vibration of not belonging you know, and it's not that that energy isn't in my persona. It's not like my outward personality. It's more of like a suppressed shadow piece that is like yeah. just really protective. Yeah. And I, I just the more I've been coming to terms of that, the more I've also mm-hmm. been um, able to have ample material to to kind of like reflect on. Well, then if I'm not trusting and there's a core belief of not belonging what would it look like to include that, right? To not to not take that as a sign of a thing that I need to believe in and create separation. But what if like, what if I included that? But this practice of trying my hardest to be honest, trying my hardest to be authentic and real, have allowed myself to be authentic and honest and to be seen and received the more I've been absolutely blessing grace with not just acceptance, but I think that's also like, I've been met with an open heart. Um, yeah. That's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is mm-hmm. being a father is just this interesting experience where there's this amazing being who has no judgment is just completely pure <laughs> I don't know who she is. You know, it's like every day I look at her, I'm like, I don't know. Who are you? I'm your father. Mm-hmm. And so there's a joy of like, <laughs> I get to serve you. Yeah. And, and like the more I feel within myself that yeah. I'm living the life Aww. that I'm choosing. Because it's like whenever we start to feel that we're not making our own choices, we mm-hmm. can't love. I actually had a dream where I was told, where there are roles, there cannot be love. And I think that's powerful. Um, I don't want anything that I'm doing to be a role because that says that God's plan and where we all belong isn't enough. But to actually follow our path must always mean that we're all going to be serving and supporting each other in just the right ways. And so the more I have this inner experience that my path is exactly what it's meant to be, and I can always listen to it and find it and follow it. And that it's always going to bring wellness and benefit to everyone in my life. It simultaneously brought me more here, more in my physical home with my family, with my partner, with my daughter, with my partner's son. Like there's this experience that I'm having of feeling more present mm-hmm. here. Because that's not where I'm trying to make myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm, my my attention is going towards the truth, towards honesty, towards transparency, towards love, towards caring. Um, you know, so I'm grateful for, it's kind of like if I knew uh-huh. what it would have taken to build my van, I wouldn't have wanted to start because there's a lot of work. 
I know having a daughter is going to be a lot of work, but the things that I'm going to learn and grow yeah. from in the process are beyond what I can understand. And I trust it and I'm open to it. So I wanted to talk a little bit about astrology since that's um, a big part of your life and what you do. You went to Evergreen, right? In Olympia. And then how did you decide that that was what you wanted to do? I was progressive in 2005. By, by 2005, I had bought a lot of books and took some small courses and had a relationship with one teacher very loosely. Um, not at Evergreen, just in, in general. And I was fascinated with astrology since I was in high school when I was at Yeshiva and it would come up in the Talmudic mm-hmm. teachings. I felt like there is something to astrology and intuitively always knew mm. that there is truth in it. Um, and just to the natural movement of my own journey, un- unintentional, just Googling, searching, looking at charts, there was a natural progression for me to look at these things and learn. And in retrospect, I think this is all just a part of my path that my own nature was impelled to study and learn. But again, the nothing is everything piece. I got to a point in 2005 where I let go. I'm almost certain I got rid of all my books or most of my books. And I felt frustrated with astrology because Mm. all the books that I read, I Mm -hmm. felt like people were coming from a place where they were attesting to some kind of final knowledge and understanding. Um. But I felt that astrology was so much deeper than what I was reading. And I also felt really turned off by the descriptive language that people used, um, like the one size fits all kind of thing. And so I, I just felt like astrology was real, but like what it actually mm, yeah. meant was beyond what we could know. And I just had this feeling to drop it entirely. I was like really kind of. Mm-hmm. So. At that time, probably the same week, I was talking to a friend and he asked me what my rising sign was. And I responded in sort of a jaded way with like, well, you know, what does it really mean? And he introduced me to two books. One was a book by Adam Ginsberg, yeah. of Soul Sign Astrology. The other was a book, Pluto, the Evolutionary Journey of the Soul by Jeffrey Wolf Green. And as it ends up, Adam studied Jeffrey Wolf Green's material um, but the, the the words, the writing, the, the voice in both of those books spoke to me very deeply. Immediately knew there was a path for me. It's like it, it came to me when I wasn't looking. It came to me when I didn't even believe that there was a possibility of addressing astrology on that level of spiritual depth that I was really seeking in my life at that time. And their work was all about addressing the nail chart from the point of view of the soul. And that the nail chart reflects the underlying karmic dynamics of the soul that brings the soul into this lifetime. So from that point of view, it's sort of like your chart where everything was when you were born is the unraveling of your own consciousness in your return to wholeness, in your return to source, in your return to your true self. And it's a very intimate portrait of mm. our you know, evolutionary dynamics, unresolved desires, unresolved karmic pieces that we are playing out that when we become aware of them, we can use it as a launching pad for self-awareness and consciousness and claiming empowerment in our life. So 
Jeffrey Wolf Green's works became um, a very strong focal point for my spiritual path for many years. And then I became a formal student of his school in 2009. And by 2012, I wrote my own beginner's guide to evolutionary astrology, which I, and he, you know, still sells today. It's on my website. It's a PDF book. Um, it's written for those who are new to astrology and those who are new to this kind of astrology that's really about addressing the soul. It's called evolutionary astrology. Uh, I was eventually invited to write the foreword to the republishing mm -hmm. of that book that I received in 2005, Pluto, the Evolutionary Journey of the Soul, which I did. Yeah, my life just sort of took off. So I've been teaching and it became a full-time mm -hmm. gig that I never intended. And as my life continues, I, I find and I, I discover that, you know, my life purpose is not astrology, um, but this has been a part of it. I feel that my, my inner calling is to awaken to the love that I am and to share mm -hmm. that. And astrology is a tool and it's a way that I can work with people. It's an amazing tool because it gives me a lot of information. But I, I'm also very, very clear within myself not to limit myself to a map. That I know that the, the full reality of God is um, beyond mm. that. And the map of astrology reflects reality. And I want to know about this reality. I want to know the soul directly. I want to know what we are beyond these human identities, not just talk about what we are and read or study about what we are. So my journey continues. And, you know, it's been my path with miracles mm. and healings um, and just deeper experiences that that point to the transcendent, that point to a deeper spiritual truth in life um, that calls me to go deeper and deeper and deeper into my soul. That's really beautiful. I like that idea of not really identifying with a modality in particular, yeah. but identifying with the idea of coming into your true self. All of some things have to be a phase and they're useful, but I'm, I'm aware of yeah. um, this calling in me to go deeper. I'm working right now with A Course in Miracles and A Course in Miracles has been for many years, but this is the first year that I'm really... Yeah. Um, really applying myself at, at this level. Um, it's, it's so helpful. And I feel that the voice of A Course in Miracles comes from a really deep authority. Mm -hmm. And um, it's something that I trust completely. And applying it and practicing mm -hmm. it has been pivotal in, in healing and the path of forgiveness and love in my family. And um, that path is what's calling me, this path of love and forgiveness and healing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, today is March mm -hmm. 27th, 2020. Do you have anything sure, you sure. want to share, like astrologically, that you feel is important going on right now? We have, of course, the coronavirus epidemic is happening at the moment you don't have to necessarily speak to that but what what sure. might be going on here and if anything does come up for you around that or there are many pieces that i can speak to the one that i'll speak to here is we're approaching a time where saturn and uranus will be in aquarius and taurus for a good two years um squaring each other that whole time pretty much 
for the entire time that Saturn's in Aquarius, which will really, you know, it's in Aquarius right now, it'll go retro into Capricorn and back into Aquarius. By the time it really stabilizes in Aquarius at the end of this year, it'll, most of its time will be a squaring Uranus and, you know, Saturn rules Pluto, which is at the end of Capricorn as well. This really speaks to a restructuring of how we're living in, in this world. And Saturn in Aquarius is um, relevant to the ideas of mm-hmm. creating new systems of living, new systems of governance, new systems that allow for order and structure, which is a Saturn thing, but in a way that is more inclusive. Because Aquarius always says that the conditioned way that we're living isn't going to hold because there is the reality of things as they are is always far more intelligent and inclusive and comprehensive than the boxes and the boundaries that we've created, which resonates on some level with fear, right? So like there's a Saturn Capricorn dimension to how we structure our lives, which creates order Mm -hmm. and it's good and useful, but how much of that also is rooted in a sort of assumption of, well, we need to live in a capitalistic society, capitalistic society where the orientation is competition. Because if you don't, you're not going to make it, right? So that's a structure that's rooted in fear and distrust. We are going to have to learn to build a system that is actually oriented towards mm-hmm. trust and togetherness, rooted in a consciousness that acknowledges the better you're doing, the better I'm doing. And this is a total restructuring of how we've been trained to think. And I think this coronavirus and sort of what's happening mm-hmm. right now in the world good. is yeah. a snapshot into that because we can't survive this way. Right. So many people out of a job. It, it's huge what's happening just in the United States alone mm-hmm. in this country. Like nearly 30% unemployment as a result of this. The effects are going to be devastating yeah. for a long time to come. Um, we have to have a better and more workable system. So I think in, you know, in terms of government, change in our healthcare system is, of course, inevitable. Whether it'll happen right away or not, we'll see. Um. But there needs to be an orientation in the government, in our social life, and in our personal life, mm-hmm. in our family life, in our life with our own selves to include more. There's, there's no way moving forward, um, but really having a more inclusive mindset. And I think on a deeper level, mm-hmm. Uranus and Taurus says, our relationship to resources has been commodified and used in this sort of self-righteous way of I can do whatever I want to do with it. And we take for granted how the technologies that we have in this world today that we've said of, you know, are otherwise necessary and important for our life right now. Like the phones that me and you are on right now and the computers we use and the cars we drive, how sustainable is it, right? It's like the resources that we mine to get all of that. We have to appreciate that all of this as solid and necessary yeah. as it seems right now, they're not solid and they're not necessary and they're temporary. And life circumstances, as per Uranus, will inevitably shock us to have to adopt <laughs> to new ways of relating and communicating. And the evolution will keep on going. I feel that the more identified we are as separate beings, uh, as bodies, um, the more we'll find ourselves dependent on physical structure controlling it in order to relate to one another. I think as we start to awaken to a more inclusive understanding of what physical reality is and that everything is a vehicle for the communication of spirit, 
will start to actually remember and learn how to work with nature and how to work with our own minds with nature to embrace technologies that are actually harmonious and um, don't deplete, but actually work with the natural cycles of life. It takes such a new way of thinking and we're, you know, a long way off. But as for all things Uranus, it starts by some people getting it and they're kind of ahead of their time and they're just sort of living it. The principles of reality are stronger than whatever temporary constructs we mm -hmm. have going on. But I think it's inevitable, especially over the next decade, we're going to be seeing huge innovations and shifts and spiritual awakenings um, because we have to be able to think in more inclusive terms and be open to the profound implications of what that actually means. Yeah, it's such a necessary shift. And this is just bringing to light um, the awareness around how much things do need to change. It, it, it's a wake-up call, hopefully. Mm. Yeah, which feels hopeful. I think... We can. Absolutely. We all can benefit from it. living in a more inclusive and society filled with a lot more love. Thanks for sharing that. So you are available a lot of places online. People can reach out to you on Facebook at Ari Moshe A R I M O S H E Wolf. Yeah. W O L F E. And then arimosha.com if you want to look at your website. And then, yes. of course, uh, people yes. can listen to your music on Spotify. Your album, Freedom is My Holy Name, which I am totally in love with. And uh, Freedom is My Holy Name is one of my favorite songs, as mm -hmm. is To the Ocean I Go. I remember you playing that song in my living room before you had recorded it and I just like it brought me to tears and I still in a in, in a good way um it just is very moving for me and um yeah I I love following you on Facebook and watching your YouTube videos I always get so much from from the wisdom that you have in those and it's always a gift your your insights and your perspectives are are just so thoughtful and unique. I do sessions. I teach classes. Um, lots of okay. different things going on. Actually, during this time, I have a lot of free offerings for people to gather online and meditate together. And um, just I'm really into just spaces where we can come together in in a way of holiness as much as possible. So if you if you kind of stay abreast, you'll you'll find many opportunities for that. Yes, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you.